When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. First off, thank you. We hit our goal for Charity Water. We have totaled $1 million raised, and I saw at the end some big uh, some big donations came in. I just want to shout out Anonymous. <laughs> thank you, Anonymous. <laughs> and Jeff came Thanks, in. Jeff. Came in some really strong donations, and thank you to everyone who donated. Um, what was interesting about that is that I felt no dopamine mm. or serotonin, I think, as a result of having done that. Like, Less than I would get if I put up a photo of myself on Instagram. Sure. Considerably less. And uh, there's there's nothing addictive about donating to charity, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Is it, would it be, should we be encouraging people to build dopamine and serotonin hooks into donations for charity such that it's as desirable to do as to post a picture of your Lambo or something else? Because I, it really only is the moral self-flagellation that that keeps me going at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's just the fact that if you don't donate, you're a bad person. Yes, that's what motivates you. Yes, and interestingly, and I and I we posted it or I posted an Instagram poster saying like, "Hey, we're closed," because I thought and some of my friends did come in with big donations. But also, there's an opportunity there for for uh, you know low hanging self-validation for me which mm-hmm. i was happy to <laughs> happy to take in that instance but interestingly it didn't come yeah that's like, what i was going to say it, i think the reason that people like and just be clear sorry it, it it didn't come meaning it was not forthcoming from the audience of my instagram people what they did respond to was i threw up one photo of myself in a story which i haven't done in a year and that got a bunch of like so good to see like my face was more uh got me more dopamine and serotonin than the the achievement of the donation. Yeah, I mean cha- this I think everyone should donate to charity ethically, but it's not it's not like it's cool mm-hmm. in the sense that if you post, "Hey, I just bought this Ferrari." It's douchey, but some people are going to post like write you and be like, "Dude, that's such a sick car." And mm-hmm. some people are going to write you and be like, "Oh my god, like we should get drinks." When I got a blue check, I received uh, messages. Yeah. Not a ton, but there were some girls like, "Oh my god." Yeah, no <laughs> yeah. one no one that I've seen like wants to hang out with you more, mm-hmm. admires you more, <laughs> yeah. wants to sleep with you more because you've given a lot to charity. Yes, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like all of those base, uh, low level things you don't want to motivate you, but actually do motivate you, yeah. seem to be absent. And well, I'm wondering if we ought to co- collectively just go. You know what? These are the things that motivate people, right or wrong. Yes, we'd love just the warmth in your heart, knowing that you've made the world a better place to do it. But that's not often the case. Let's let's hook into the stuff that social media has figured out and figure out how to make it as cool to to donate money as it is to spend it on yourself or have courtside tickets to a Lakers game or something. I mean, yeah, I think mo- almost all wasteful spending just goes towards either you want people to admire you or you want to 
have more sex, right? Mm -hmm. So when you buy the $100,000 watch, the $500,000 car, mm -hmm. you're just praying that people admire you or try to sleep with you. Yes, it, that it makes you someone that is desirable enough to be with, be around. What's strange is that if you spend the same amount of money on a watch or on charity, it doesn't have that same yeah. psychological impact on other people. Like if you do, if I was like at a networking event and someone who knew watches, like, dude, is that the blah, blah, blah that they knew was $80,000? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, it is. I picked it up last week. They would genuinely have a reaction to that. Whereas if they were like, hey, I saw you donated $80,000 to charity. It's like, oh yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. They do not have that. Like, even though you're spending the same yeah, amount yeah. of money, it just doesn't have that reaction for some reason culturally. I, well, I think the, the, US. An, well, the answer is because there's a whole marketing machine behind those watches that have convinced you and everybody else that the person with the watch is the person to so be what Charity around. Water needs to do is give shirts out, but only at certain milestones. <laughs> <laughs> and then might don't run a shit ton of marketing. It's like, if you see this shirt, yeah, yeah. it means this person and, well, and that's spent a, a lot of money. Yeah, that's the thing, is that it's not a status indicator because we haven't had advertising to convince us that it ought to be. And by the way, the fact that watches is totally accidental and could have been any other way if history had gone different. It also polarizes. I had a guy who was literally bragging to me at a uh, conference about his watches and I found it very off-putting. Yes. I was like, this is making me well, like bragging about anything. Is gonna, <laughs> is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bragging when, when it's not part of the conversation, bringing it up with the intention to get a reaction from people, it didn't matter if he was doing it with well, charity. Also didn't, he was like, I don't know how it came up, but literally he told me the cost of it. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, this is a blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, cost yeah. blah, blah. I was like, it's a weird move, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing a Timex. Yeah. I'm clearly not the guy that cares about this shit. Yeah, yeah. And I was previously liked the person. I was like, this is a slightly off-putting that you've given me the price tag of this. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's attractive to everyone. But to your point, it feels like nobody's, or very few people are like super attracted to charitable donations mm -hmm. in the same visceral way. It just they envy it, you. And it, it occurred to me as I did, I was like, wow, this, this, I've had, you know, got a million subs and th like, this is, on the list of things that got me dopamine, one of the lowest. And those things are low. Like subs actually is, doesn't make you feel good. And even earning money milestones, you go, wow, this is empty. But this one was, it just had no social validating reinforcement, which is what I think drives a lot of people. And still I feel inside of myself and does move me towards things, even though I try to curb it. The good news is you'll still hate yourself <laughs> if you don't donate. So <laughs> people will keep getting water, yeah. despite the fact that it's not validated. Well, so I guess we've talked about this once Once COVID's over. I would I would like to go spend, I know it's a lot of money to get over there, but to uh, connect with it, see it, because I think it'll make me more inspired to yeah. keep up with it. I agree. It. They don't want you right now. Yeah. Because they have villages that have no COVID exposure, yeah. and they're not looking to change that. So. Sure. We're not welcome at the moment, but I understand why. Mm -hmm. Speaking of money, uh, Dr. Dre settled his divorce with oh, his wife. Nice. She got $100 million, despite the fact they had a prenup. Now, I haven't got into it. There's At one point, she claims he tore up the prenup. The prenup only covers things that were in before the marriage versus after the marriage. All that aside, uh, it's just so strange that we have this reaction in America to very wealthy people, millionaires, billionaires, Jeff Bezos, but you never hear like Mackenzie Bezos listed in the same thing, despite the fact that she has half as much as he does and far more than most other billionaires. Well, I, think, I think people like that she's giving it away slowly, but well, what's it? Well, this is, I guess uh, we, we seem to, there's a couple of thoughts I have. I, th I feel like capitalism deserves some of a bad rap, but Jeff Bezos got that money, not simply by exploiting low wages, but by providing a service that got a ton of people through the pandemic with toilet paper that uh, and a supply chain that might otherwise not have been yeah, there. But <laughs> everyone, hates, everyone hates Bezos and 
wishes Amazon would pay more, I think still thinks that the service itself is valuable. I've never heard anyone say Amazon is not well, the idea, useful. I guess this is a separate uh, point that I intended to make. We've talked about this before. Uh, there's, there seems to be, I guess, in the, the vein of criticism of Bezos and Musk, that they got all that money, that the only good thing they... That, that there wasn't value created in the in the accumulation of that money seems strange to me. Whereas I'm sure that there was no value so, created uh, in the transfer of it to... I'll try to steal man ...to the ex-wife. I don't think it's that there was no value created. It's that they are getting too much credit for the value created. Okay. That's the steel man. It's like $3 trillion of value was created from Amazon not existing to today. Mm-hmm. How much of that is Jeff Bezos? Mm-hmm. Is it $500 billion? 100 billion, 2.9 of the 3 trillion. That's the debate, I think, if you're going to steal man. It's like the people who think he has too much money would argue that the all of the other workers deserved more credit from capitalism mm-hmm. than they got. And that's, that's, I think, a fine point to make. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't have a strong opinion. I could, if I learned more about it, I could see myself falling on the other side of the issue. Yeah, my take is I don't know the exact numbers. I'm 100% positive that you couldn't just swap him out day one for a different founder. He was instrumental. But whether that instrumental means a trillion or 500 billion or 100 billion or 50 billion to him, Mm -hmm. I I haven't like bothered to make an algorithm for what I think capitalism should result in. So I think he deserves to be obscenely wealthy, but maybe he's too obscenely wealthy. Sure, I don't know. Well, in in any event, putting that to the side, just the... uh with these high-profile, very wealthy divorces, I feel like these are similar to what happened in 2008 where there was this legal method for people to make a ton of money uh, unethically. I feel like that's what these high-profile divorces are. It's the same, like, this banker does not deserve the money. They took all this risk. They screwed the economy. They didn't contribute in a meaningful way. You're talking, because, like, golden parachutes when, like, when CEOs yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking, there are ways in our current system to get obscenely wealthy without contributing. And we don't want that. And we even have the discussion around Jeff Bezos. Now, certainly he contributed massively and I think deserves to be remunerated massively for it. Uh, Dr. Dre's wife, I don't think deserves, from what I understand, a dime from Beats by Dre or the (laughs) songs that he made or anything. And in fact, should probably be very grateful that he paid for a luxurious lifestyle for 20 years and i the way that we treat divorce at these high profile things where it's incentivized for the ex-wife to go get a lawyer even if there is an ironclad prenup because look we'll just keep this in court and he'll settle for some sum at some point and you'll make it out is crazy and i read that dr dre was elated with the result which i was like (laughs) that's that's can only come from a guy that knew that he could have been cut in half you know in terms of his in terms of his net worth Uh, bezos said that yeah he was happy to give her a third i'm i'm hyped to just get out of this marriage (laughs) that's the funny part it's like you have to imagine how shitty the marriage is that these guys are thrilled (laughs) thrilled best money they ever spent to just be free of this person yeah for hundred million dollars or billions and billions of yeah. dollars. Just like, you know what? Thank God for this. This well, is the best check I've ever written. It, I, two thoughts. One, which I've mentioned before, one that I haven't. One is that, um, I'm already forgetting this. Oh, that it's, it's just crazy that with all the, you know, marriage is supposed to be all these things. You're supposed to care for the other person and love them and take care of them. And the uh, logic behind continuing to pay, I believe it's called alimony, afterwards is that you're supposed to maintain the lifestyle that that person got accumulated uh, accustomed to i've heard two arguments 
And by the way, this is not this is not for middle class people who make an agreement where the wife stays at home, takes care of the house, and the guy goes out, and therefore she sacrifices her career. And we're trying to account for that. That's not what I'm talking. You're talking about, about the here. uber wealthy. I'm talking about the uber wealthy where it is, and this could go in either direction. You know, Katie Brand, uh, Katie Perry Russell Brand, where she had ton more money than he did. He didn't take it in this case, but where a person clearly does not contribute, or they are not sacrificing Mackenzie their Bezos career. And her next husband. Yes, <laughs> it will be, yeah. it'll be the reverse situation. Um, that. It's just crazy that the only the only part of the marriage that we say needs to persist is the financial quality of life that that person experienced and not the... Well, there's... Go ahead. No, no, there's two rationales, and you, you can poke holes at both if you care to, but the one is this person got accustomed to a way of life, and you are obligated to allow them to maintain that quality of life. And this, the second is that they were contributory to your success, that they supported you mm-hmm. in ways that you would not have succeeded as much without them. And so you are paying them, now that you're separated and you don't share finances, you're paying them what they're owed for the value they contributed to your success. So that's the argument in favor of it. And you can attack that however you want. But Do that's, I have to? I mean, is it not obvious? <laughs> uh, I'm just laying out, dude, I'm just laying out what what people say to justify it. Yes. Yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, she was, she did accounting, Mackenzie, at the beginning of the... Uh, she should be paid as an employee of Amazon at that time would have been paid according to the deal that those guys the other accounts got. She has. Yeah. I don't think anyone at Amazon got <laughs> has half of what Jeff Bezos did, no matter if they showed up every day for 12 hours a day from day one. Um, so that falls through very quickly and certainly isn't the case with Dr. Dre's wife from what I understand. And then the other one in terms of the accustomed, what I was saying is that that we Again, this is for strictly for high net worth individuals where it doesn't make sense where there's such a disparity, but that we need to maintain the financial quality of life, but there's no expectation that like the sexual contact that had grown to be expected should be continued such that, okay, I'm going to pay you money every month and you're going to come visit and we're going to have sex or, twice or a week. like, Hey, I'm stressed. Give me a head scratch. Yeah, yeah. I need a head scratch or, you know, I'm used to you taking care of me when I'm sick and I got used to that. So when I'm sick, I'm going to give you a phone call. You'll come over here. Yeah, I have a and that part of our marriage will continue. Continue. Yes. That. That the only thing that needs to continue is the distribution of money is, I think, points to the fact that that is not why we do it that way. Well, I actually think this is only a problem for people that are already married because I think that prenups today are much more common, and I think it's going to keep becoming more well, and more common. the prenups work? Because he had, again, I don't know the details, and this it would be good for me to speak to, I think, probably a divorce lawyer. Uh, it made me go, I can I can never get married because if there's no agreement that we can make to keep our finances separate, where we both understand that you didn't earn what I created at Charisma on Command and uh, no matter what you do inside the household, unless unless you like join the company in a proper role and, and we agree and you have a, give it a verbal Google. or written contract. I wonder why, I wonder why his uh, prenup didn't work. Uh, well, generally speaking, I'm under the impression and I've heard, and this is just kind of like, be careful. Like the prenups in California are flimsy. Oh, were they married in California? I don't know, but Got I it. know yeah, that he should have gone to Texas. <laughs> so that's my understanding is that prenups in California are, uh, to say in an extreme way, are like worth the paper that they're written on. They're just not as protective as you expect them to be. Uh, so I don't know a lot. Maybe we should get a divorce if you're out there and you're a divorce lawyer and you can help us understand this. Uh, I would love to talk because it did make me go, if there's no agreement that me and this person can freely enter into, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want them to walk away with any of the stuff that I had 
made accumulated beforehand. Other than, you know, what we agreed upon. What are you looking at? Uh, this is just fascinating because I'm sure this is true. She says that she was extremely reluctant, <laughs> yeah. resistant, and afraid to sign the prenup, but felt like he wouldn't marry her unless she signed it. Yeah. So she signed it, which is like, that's how all contracts work. Like, <laughs> you won't do this deal with me unless I sign the contract that absolves him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, crazy. I also have to sign a contract when I want to do stuff. Yeah. And sometimes I don't want to, but I yeah. want what the contract gets me. Yeah. So I sign it. My lease is like that. My lease puts me on the hook for all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and it that makes all want. kinds of sense why he wouldn't want to marry you without to that prenup. Yeah. Live in the house, so I had to sign a lease. Yeah, so we don't have to. We don't have to dwell on it for too long. But it, that's it, a hilarious defense. Yeah. At, at a personal level, it did make me go: when you set up a system that doesn't that that makes marriage so costly and so uh, apparently unavoidably costly, particularly in the state of California, then you make it impossible for certain people. And I'm not Jeff Bezos, but it. There, there's it, no matter if I married an heiress, I still wouldn't want to get married at this point. I would just try to leave the government out of it entirely. But then you've got you've got the cohabitation stuff, which starts to kick in. And I know it's different state to state, but you hear these horror stories of people that were never married and cohabitated for, for several months every year over a period of six years, and then yeah, that they one was have crazy. a common law marriage. No, that was like a that was a Canada thing. But that one was crazy. They didn't even live together. They just spent summers together. Yeah, and then when they broke up, they weren't married. Yes. They weren't married. They spent summers together and they lived apart eight months out of the year. And when they broke up, she sued, I guess, for the equivalent of divorce settlement and she won. Yeah, I don't I don't know the details, but it was, it was something to that effect. So don't move to Canada. <laughs> this makes you nervous. Uh, another, I'll just go with my, I have a bunch of random stuff today. Uh, Henry, my brother, is doing his YouTube channel and he's got these writers who he's trying to train to to write. He does like sports stories kind of like what you might see on those fun espn things of how they became champions or did you know this but he does it in short format so they're one minute little stories and in getting these writers these are people that see themselves as writers or on upwork as writers mm -hmm. the way that they write is so flowery it's like you know the cornucopia of potential that russell westbrook had could only be gleaned by and they just use thesaurus words nonstop, yeah, yeah. and it's a it's a consistent enough thing that made me reflect and realize that schools that teach writing and, you know, I'm thinking through high school, do not teach you how to communicate well. They no, that's, teach what you got you, <laughs> that's what got you good grades, though, in high yeah. school and in college. Yeah. So, like, the dog ran up to the door. Yeah. No, nah, that's okay. Like, yeah. the canine <laughs> sprinted eagerly up to the abode. Oh, that's an A. Like, this is just harder to understand. Yes, that, that we have actively taught people that are aspiring writers to communicate worse than they would off pure instinct mm -hmm. is incredible. And I, I remember writing like that. And luckily I had a handful of good teachers that they gave me the Stephen King book and they said, no more adverbs, no more this simple sentences, read Ernest Hemingway, just, just very that the, to communicate in a way that people understood, yeah, yeah. uh, was interesting as opposed to trying to show off how intelligent you are in the words that you know and it's it's just funny that he would almost be better off going for non-writers <laughs> than people well, who, who style clear, themselves writers only in the content world where you're actually going to an end consumer because for instance in in consulting oh my god you are rewarded <laughs> for creating a fake moat of 
intellectual yeah. capital, basically, which means you as a consultant come in and you use a bunch of jargon that could easily be replaced with words that a layman could understand. And by doing that, you make business owners feel like you're smart. Bro, leveraging best, you know, leveraging. The word leveraging and consulting is it, what they mean is use. Yeah. <laughs> you don't leverage, you just use it. And they have all of these words that truly add nothing mm -hmm. to the more simple version of the word, but are inserted into these decks to make it purposefully full of jargon. Aggressively. Aggressively, so that it seems like it was written by a smart person, yes. when in fact, they're not saying anything mm -hmm. of substance. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. We need to use, use you know, leverage our best practices. It's like, do what the best people in the industry are doing. And if you looked at that and you're like, well, I'm paying you to give me the advice that says, do what the smart people are doing? Why, why am I paying for this? Yeah, no, they, uh, they literally create a moat with their jargon because they don't have the same, you know, like an actual company that makes physical products might have a patent or something that makes them uniquely positioned to do the job well. But all these consulting firms are all just saying, we are smarter than the other yeah. consulting firms. And if you hire us, we will give you advice that makes you money. Mm -hmm. But they don't have any physical property patented technology that separates them. And so it just comes down to how can we convince you that we're smarter? And so they they literally make up, they're like, oh, we have intellectual property in the form of our systems. Yeah. And it's not Matrix, patented. Two by two it's not, it's not patented intellectual property. They just call it that. They're like, oh, yeah. RIP are, it, it is what makes us so good Our at giving advice. Yeah. We have these unique frameworks that we've created. It's all just to convince you that you don't know how to run your company as well as they do. And they might come in and give you great advice, but they are creating, they're using jargon on purpose to mm -hmm. make it so that you think they're special. When I was in consulting, we were often used as cover for one thing for internal politics. So like sometimes this wasn't always the case. The person would want to do something, but couldn't be said to have given the recommendation themselves, so we were supposed to come in and give the recommendation. Other times, they were supposed to show that they were hard at work on something that they didn't intend to do, so we would just be hard at work doing the <laughs> doing the research. Yeah. And there were other times, since it was government, where it's a use-it-or-lose-it situation with your budget, and this is how a lot of government spending goes. You get to the end of the government fiscal year, and all of a sudden, they want to spend all their money so that they don't get their... Uh, budgets cut. Their budgets cut in the following year. So they would just dump money on stuff that truly never got pursued... Uh, in order to spend the money. Yeah, and I do think that sometimes consulting firms come in and add value. I'm Absolutely. Actually, my argument is not that consulting yeah, yeah. firms are useless. It's that the jargon is useless. Mm -hmm. And they'd be much better off if they just communicated simpler in terms of communicating their ideas, but they wouldn't get hired. So they're trained to do the opposite and to obfuscate their ideas in jargon. Mm -hmm. Another topic. Uh, so I watched a video. I think his, I think his name is Tom Nicholas who did a video on Johnny Harris, who is the reporter who has written, I think, for the New York Times. We've talked about some of his videos. I have no and idea who Johnny Harris is. He's, he, he's a reporter. He's a journalist who has his own YouTube channel now. Okay. And in the video that I'm referring, he was critical of this journalist because he did a video on the World Economic Forum that, in, in his opinion, was pure propaganda because it was so, sort of like reciting the talking points of the World Economic Forum. And the backstory is that this journalist reached out to them after reading their book said i love what you guys are up to would you be interested in sponsoring a video they said sure and then he made the video they according to him never checked it but he he liked what they had to say and did it um he also this this guy criticizing also made another video about wait sorry but is that critique boiled down to saying i read a book that i liked and then i made a video that parrots the ideas that i liked 
Because that's not that bad. And ask for money. Again, and ask for money after the fact. Again, I, this is what I want to talk about. Um, and then there was another one, which was- Or it would be was, worse if he decided he liked the idea after getting the money. I agree. It's much better to decide he likes the idea, say, I'm going to make a video on this, and then go to them and say, hey, I'm going to make this video anyway, but will you guys pay me? Yeah, and, and I think some of the criticism was that he wasn't transparent enough about the relationship that, that he set sure, up. but if he started with, I like the idea, exactly. that's pretty well, solid. That's, that's kind of what I want to get to, is, is it seems that if he happens to think like them without the financial incentive- there's an argument that there's not a problem. And if he would have made the What's video- What's the argument that there is a problem? That he wouldn't have made the video the no, way that he made it. No, you said without the money. That he wouldn't have, that, that again, that uh, he was parroting what they believe in an uncritical manner. But of course, it's what if he believes it too? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, what if he- Well, what made him believe it to me is the question. Was it the promise every, of money? This is every single political YouTube channel there is. Just parrots- ideas well i think he might agree with he might agree with you that that and the problem becomes when there is a financial incentive tied to it but of course there is a financial incentive in audience capture so anyway yeah. i want i want to get into these details but you're, you're kind of you're headed where i'm well i don't want to name names going. but i can think of a bunch of people who just parrot all the same message down their party line mm -hmm. so and and they and he i think he would categorize them as propaganda reasonably so he also made another video about i believe it's veritasium science guy who got a uh, sponsorship with a an electric uh, with a self driving car company and the whole video he he mentions like by the way this video is sponsored by or like in partnership with them it's kind of all he says and then the video is like t eight to ten minutes of uh, good things about electric vehicles and how it's going and how they work and all this kind of stuff and the criticism is that he didn't talk about the bad things about electric vehicles or not electric I keep saying electric self driving cars mm. why they can't work in certain areas and they won't do this and they're the problems with them that similar criticism being that the video was a puff piece advertisement because of a financial incentive that connected him now there's slightly different backgrounds but what i thought was interesting is that within each of these videos there's a segment clearly and he, he's like this is an advertisement for surfshark you know surfshark is this and they should blah, blah, blah. it seemed to me that if you're saying something for money that you wouldn't say otherwise without talking about the downsides of VPNs, which, by the way, they don't really protect your data. They just store them elsewhere. Like, mm -hmm. there's problems with VPNs as well that you're not touching on. It seemed that propaganda, according to your definition, is a much larger problem than you're willing to accept or admit, and that you are, to a smaller degree, since it's not the whole video, though, participating it in that section where, you, where somebody else put words in your mouth for money. Yeah, that seems... <laughs> and so I, I just thought it was interesting unless he was like but by the way here's all the downsides of surfshark no and he said none of the downsides of surfshark and he didn't say any of the criticisms he did say Strange. and so it's fine and now i'll give him this yes you demarcated this as an ad section and they could have done a better job at, at disclosing it and fine but i almost think there's a more interesting idea in there which is what are the ethics of letting someone pay you and we we've done this with audible and other people to say what they want you to say about their product. When is it okay? When isn't it? Do you have to disclose the things that you don't like, et cetera? And I felt that in, in this particular video and saying, you know, how bad all this other stuff was, there was a real opportunity for self-reflection that wasn't, yeah, yeah. wasn't taken with it. By well, the way, this is sponsored by Surfshark. It's like, fucking these VPNs. I, I don't know. Maybe I just have a thing against VPNs. 
they're not that awesome as far as I understand. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> Edward Snowden made a video about how VPNs are overhyped, basically. Yes, yes. And, and it's like to ignore it, what Edward Snowden says about VPN if one was trying to give an accurate description of, of internet protection and privacy. It seems like a glaring freaking oversight, yes. especially in a video that is about prop- corporate propaganda. Yeah. And now listen, some people <laughs> think that Edward Snowden is like a Russian spy and a horrible person, but I happen mm-hmm. to think that he's a guy that tried to do the right thing and has the best interests of the people in mind. So I take yeah. his advice about VPNs at face value. I don't assume it's a plot to well, overthrow the U.S. government. Sure. So now the question is what are, and we've, we've implicitly done this, but I, I was wondering if we can make it explicit. We've done sponsorships. We've had other people tell us they want to say this, say this, select one mm-hmm. of these things to say. What are the ethics of sponsorships that well, should we talk you find through, appropriate? So we didn't always have this rule. Mm-hmm. But we have a list of questions that we ask ourselves. Do you want to try to pull them up? I don't have them. They're on my computer. Do you have them, Justin? We sent them to you. <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay, Justin can pull them up. Well, so these are these are the questions that we ask ourselves related to accepting a sponsor. Yes. We say no to ninety eight percent of sponsorships that we get asked about. We get asked about a so lot do, of sponsors. Yeah, so do most people. I think that's that's a claim that almost everybody can make uh, without proving themselves ethically. I think. Well, safe. sure. So this is yeah. what we try to run through. This is why so far we sure. basically have audible. Couple others. Well, it's really audible today. But let's see. Well, what the it, podcast has like athletic greens. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's four, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's can I imagine myself in real life ever recommending this to someone? Has someone I know had a positive experience? And if not, we have to test it ourselves first. Do we want to encourage this type of consumerism? And will the sponsor do well on the channel? Mm-hmm. So the, do you want to go one by one, or is that good enough? It's I mean, good enough. That's that's what we ask for. Mm-hmm. Should I do the sponsorship? Yeah. Um, and some of them would are like. Uh, that don't even need to be stated are like, do I fucking love this thing? And am I jacked up? Like if uh, Baldur's Gate 3 comes to you or me. Well, that was this, that's part two is do, do I or someone I know and trust have a very positive experience with this mm-hmm. such that they actually like it and would recommend it? Mm-hmm. And so interestingly, according to our questions, the World Economic Forum thing might pass. Like that might be a thing to go, yes, I do. I have a positive yeah, you, experience. Well, I is, do like this. Sorry, this is I my, want to encourage this. And this is exactly why you're like, that seems this like is it's- my take is this, mm-hmm. this person- genuinely believed all these things ahead of time, read their book, watched the presentation, was like, I agree with all of this. I find this incredibly compelling. Yeah. I want to make a video about this. Went to them, was like, hey, do you guys want to sponsor a video where I talk about everything in this presentation and this Mm -hmm. book? Yeah. They said, yes. He goes, great. That was the content I wanted to make anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then makes the content. That seems totally fine to me. If he doesn't believe it and he thinks it's bullshit, but he's just spewing it for the money, then that's bad. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't have, I don't even know what the problem would be if you assume that the content was identical before he got the sponsorship and after. Sure. And yeah, and I don't mean to say that Surfshark couldn't pass those because like I could ask myself those questions about Surfshark and get yes. It's for a particular use case though, which is you want to stream videos in a foreign country. Well, dude, no, so like no one I know, <laughs> no one I know has ever recommended a VPN to me or like used a VPN around me. Uh, here's things that might, if you're Often at coffee shops or airports. If you're, if you're, uh, you're living in a country that blocks Netflix. That blocks That's Netflix. the number one use and case then I've heard of. It's awesome. And I could totally recommend it. And I saw, I think when people talk about it in that way, I go, yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. But in terms of protecting you from yeah, your internet one, service provider. There's that one comedian. He did the song, I'm the bald guy. Yeah. And he did a good Seth Everman. I was literally thinking he literally just like, like, you want to watch this? This is available in Italy. How about this show? You could, you could just pretend that you're over here. I was like, yeah. this is how you sell a VPN. I get more Netflix. 
Um, so there are definitely cases where that could be possible. But if you are not allowed to talk about it in that way or expected to talk about the privacy, which you find un- not a very compelling feature and are not allowed to talk about the Edward Snowden downsides, it's again, that, that seems to me to fall into the same problem that uh, was being criticized in the video of... Yeah, unless this guy's just really hyped about shark, shark tank or whatever. Unless, it's unless he feels differently about Surfshark than I do, in which surf case shark, I would go, "There's yeah. no, there's absolutely no problem." Yeah, yeah, maybe that dude just loves Surfshark. Yeah, and and believes in the privacy and and finds Edward Snowden's criticisms of it uh, to be unimportant or not worth mentioning sincerely. Sure. And in which case I go, "Yeah, it's totally fine." But uh, yeah, just thought that was interesting. Sponsorships. And then I think that's a lot of what I had. I had another section. If you had some stuff that you wanted to touch on. Yeah, I got bad news for you, dude. You're going to have to do the podcast alone and start making charisma videos because I got tagged for jury duty. Did you really? Mm-hmm. In a few weeks. So I don't have jury duty yet. I have, I'm getting pulled in for the selection process. Seems like a shitty deal to me. It's I, awful. Dude, I understand that we need this as a society, but I yeah. do wonder if we could function if we only let people opt into it. Uh I'm sure there are people that want this, that would get paid time off from work to go do this. Yeah. For me to stop doing anything productive so that I can go do jury on a case that might be about a parking ticket so that I can get paid $15 a day seems like a really shitty deal to me. And I wish I could get the fuck out of it. And I'm sure people (laughs) are going to be like, everyone has to do this. But I actually am wondering, is there a way to opt this out? Uh, I think there is. Run jury duty. No, no, I'm saying, is there a way to do jury duty in a better way? I mean, Jeff Bezos ain't going to do jury duty. Oh, sorry. Is is there a way collectively? I'm saying, I'm saying, like, listen. If ethically the deal is we just need everyone to be able to be put their name into a hat, but it's mm-hmm. like, is that the case? Is this really? You can't find I someone mean, who hates their you, job yeah, and would love a week off. You don't want a selection bias in your jurors like that. That's that's not good. Who? Because then the question is, now who are your jurors? You're these people that are more likely, and who are the people that are less likely that are now not getting a say in the yes, no, go to jail, guilty, not guilty of. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it would change that much. Honestly, I don't know what the average juror looks like now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get in there and just, when he's like, so tell me about yourself. I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to be here. I hope I don't get picked. I'm going to be so honest. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I don't know don't that that, wanna... I don't know that that will help. Honest. Yeah, I don't think so either, but I'm just going to say it because it's yeah. the truth. Like I, I looked at the ways to get out and there are none. It, <laughs> it's like be over 70, have COVID, have a, have a child. Have a child. Uh, what were the other That's ones? That's one. It's too late, dude. It's in three weeks. <laughs> I can't procreate that fast. Adopt. <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I was like, well. How did you find out? Because I don't check my mail. I got, so, I got a letter. Yeah, I don't check mail. I would not know. Yeah. I had jury duty. So I'm praying they don't, they don't select me to calm down. We'll find out in a couple weeks. Darn, me too. I hope not. So yeah, start thinking about what videos you want to make and who you want to have on the podcast to replace me. You could do how to spot a liar. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I wonder if, uh, send him your police interrogation video. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Be like, I made this. <laughs> I... I don't trust cops. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> just be like, just so you guys know, here's a picture of a cop and it says, don't trust this guy. I made this. I made this. We'll change the thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. Don't trust cops. in the thumbnail. Um, it, I mean, that was the thumbnail at one point. It was just like, something we've we've split tested it a couple of times but it was something to the effect of like they're lying to you um or he's lying the the guy in yeah no and i i filled it out honestly and there's a point where it check it says like if because you check self-employed and then it says like you know if you were to uh 
be missing for a week, like would your business collapse or whatever? It's oh. like, I can't check that. It wouldn't collapse. Yeah. I just don't want to be on the jury. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to do this. And there's no button for like, I just don't want to do this. So Bummer. Bummer. we'll see what happens. It's because you have a driver's license, right? I have a Nevada driver's license. I registered my car. Mm. My car. I, I've never gotten a car in California. I registered my car. Yeah. And I got them the same day. I got my new registration and my jury duty selection. I think it might be. I'm never driving a car. I did register to vote. Is the other thing. I didn't register to vote. Either. Yeah, I registered to vote. So there's a lot of things that that put me here. Votes don't count in California, just so you guys know. Uh, whether you vote Democrat or Republican, they don't count. <laughs> <laughs> they just they're on the props. They come close enough to count, but uh, it's going blue. So you don't need to go. Yeah. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what else do you have? It's a bunch of random shit. Uh, apparently, there's a COVID pill now from Pfizer. Cool. You can take it and reduces hospitalizations and deaths. You can take it at home. It's pretty cool. A lot of people I know are getting absolutely crushed by Omicron just uh, on an anecdotal level. So, Like crushed by? I mean getting ill? Uh, not dying, but just like uh, I know someone that got stuck in a foreign country for two weeks because they got COVID abroad. Uh. And then my sister just got it. And she's vaccinated. I feel like just anecdotally, a lot of people around me are getting COVID. So yeah. pretty good news. There's a COVID pill now. Hopefully the having it makes it, I, you know, having had it, which I did, makes it a, a non-problem. There was a, the guy came on Joe Rogan and this sounded crazy to me, uh, but I don't have any personal examples. He said that once you get COVID, if it really is COVID, you can't get it again, which I went, that sounds. I mean, I know people who have tested positive for it twice, yeah. so I don't. Were they and they they showed symptoms? Mm -hmm. Okay, they had. I mean, they got sick twice. Everyone these days, if you get sick, you go get a COVID test, right? Yeah, they got sick twice, tested positive for COVID twice. So yeah, just an anecdote. Maybe that guy would tell me that the tests are unreliable. Well, I hope he's right. I don't think he is. <laughs> I, <wanted to> <laughs> I don't think he is. Um, I got more COVID stuff. The you saw the Trump Candace Owens interview. We're a little bit. No. We're a week late because we took a week off. Justin went on a trip. Everybody, yay. yay. Candace Owens says more people are dying this year than last year from COVID and more people are vaccinated this year than last year. Clearly something is wrong, which that's not how that works at all. And Trump just goes, no, it's the unvaccinated that are dying. Mm -hmm. That's a direct quote. And it was awesome because it, she wants to endorse him and everything he says and doesn't want that to be what how he said. How does she handle it? Uh, first, she has cognitive dissonance and she like... Spins around. Spins, you know, you can see her head processing and then she pivots to we shouldn't make kids wear masks. Just immediately pivots to a different topic. And it was awesome. Eey. Yeah, I loved it. So I thought you might've seen it. We could talk about it, but. Well, what's interesting is that she would have, had it not been Trump saying it, somebody on what she perceives as her team, she would have followed up, I imagine. Oh, more? she would have fought it tooth and nail. Yeah. He says, he, she says, more people are dying from COVID and more people are vaccinated. So clearly something is wrong. That's the quote. And I watched it. This is what she says. And he goes, no, it's the unvaccinated that are dying. Mm -hmm. And there's just no way she would have taken that if Joe Biden had been sitting there. Well, I wonder what she would have said in response because it seems to be that, 
I mean, the the proof that she offers is no proof at all, obviously. Vaccinations are up. Yeah, yeah. Death count is up. Yeah, yeah. Too, it. yeah. It's kind of like for people who have never had a stat class. <laughs> it's uh, it's the, very lazy. The more priests yeah, yeah, in, Boston, in Boston, the more alcohol sales in Boston. Yeah. But it's not because priests are drinking all the liquor. It's because population growth yeah. makes them both. Yeah. So, yeah. It's uh, just because two things are moving in the same direction doesn't mean they're causal. Yeah. But statistics will, you can, if people don't understand statistics, you can use it to prove anything you want. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I thought that was fun. And then what else? Oh, I got a random thing. We, we talked about off air a little bit. I made a video, how to get someone out of your league or how to date someone out of your league. Sure. A lot of comments saying that no one is out of your league. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I would love to know your thoughts on that because I feel like that's true in terms of your value as a human. But certainly when it comes to dating, there are people more in demand and less in demand who have more options and less options. And depending on your definition of leagues, there are people that will be easier and harder to date based on their relative demand. Yeah. <laughs> I you thought it was very interesting that everybody was just like, this, there's no one out of your leagues. Like, I hope you're just dating everyone you want and that mm. no one has ever said no to you if this is your belief. Yeah, well, you, you said it. It's, it's, it depends on your definition of league. And having made an, a lot of YouTube videos, I, if, if we'd spoken at length beforehand, I think I would have anticipated this as a thing where I'm like, dude, you have to assume that the way people are going to read league is value as a human and not relative demand in the dating market. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're going to have to start with their definition, accept it, and then say, but just for the purposes of this video, we're going to talk about it this way. A lot of disagreements that seem to occur in life and on the internet are just semantic ones where people hear a word, they insist that it means one thing, even though you're clearly using it in a different way. Uh, well, the thing it reminded me of, which we've seen a lot in business and diet and self-improvement, all this stuff, is there are people who try to speak things into existence without putting any effort into that thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what it kind of reminded me of. It's like, yeah, if you want to say no one's out of your league in the sense that your value as a human is the exact same as everyone, no matter how beautiful, wealthy, high status, or charismatic. And so you're going to love yourself completely and at the same time figure out how to present yourself better, be charismatic, whatever it is. If being attractive matters to you, you know what I mean? Be, be fit or successful or whatever and you're just like, yeah, I value myself as a human, but I'm going to put effort into this thing because I care about it, then that's fine. But it seemed to me a lot of people who were just saying, uh, if I say this enough times, then I'll be able to date anyone I want. And it's this mindset that's holding me back. Because there was a lot of comments that basically said that. Yes, but uh, yes, what they mean is that of all the girls in their school, you know, that that's what they mean. Well, that they was, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was what the other thing mean. I was thinking. It was like, they're just, they're just thinking... I, and the right is like, if I just handled myself differently, the popular girl would react to me differently. And that, and therefore there are no leaks. It's just how you behave. And the first point that you made, I think, was about access, which is like, yeah, I'm talking Ariana about Grande, people, Katie I'm talking Perry. about people that you have no way of contacting, yeah. uh, that have ways of contacting you, that you have no way of contacting. Yeah, yeah. So you're just, again, you're speaking about different things and what they're saying is true given their prior assumptions and what you're saying is true given the way that you're using the words that yeah I mean again it just reminded me like I went to landmark forum and at one point this guy says the teacher says that if you change your beliefs around calories you can eat whatever you want without exercising and lose weight 
that your body will just process it based on your belief system. Bro, this, this is why I had to put down the Joe Dispenza book. And a lot of people have said good things, and I don't want to take that away. But at the moment that I put down Joe Dispenza is when he said that there was, in the 70s, there was a study where you read that people read a list of names and then prayed for them, and they had better outcomes. And what was crazy is that actually it wasn't in the 70s. They prayed for them in 2005, and then they checked, and they had better outcomes as, as a result of having prayed in 2005. In the 70s. You changed the past with your prayers. Well, no, no, that, that the past and the future, which is like, great. Uh, how come this isn't a full-time fucking job, Joe, where people just <laughs> pray for all of these people not to die? Like, there's such an opportunity here. Yeah, why don't we just all pray that 9-11 didn't happen? <laughs> it's uh, bonkers, bonkers. I couldn't read the rest of the book, and there might have been good stuff in there because I know a lot of people have enjoyed his stuff. But yeah, the... Uh, manifestation thinking that doesn't then answer the question, why haven't you won the lottery, drives me insane. Well, it's kind of like <laughs> the vision board, and there's two ways to do a vision board. One is you make a vision board, you put up a bunch of pictures of what you want this year, mm -hmm. you hang it somewhere that's you're going to see it every day, and it reminds you to take action. Sure. And so you see the fitness part of the vision board, and you go, I'm going to go to the gym today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to look like that. You see the money part and you go, oh, that's right. After my job today, I'm going to work on my side hustle. And it changes your behavior. That's a great vision board. Mm -hmm. But there are people who genuinely think that you can just have the same behavior, but the act of having the vision board changes how your reality manifests. And that's the part where I go, it's not in my experience or the experience of anybody I've seen do this. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of the comments remind me of. It's like, you can keep saying this, but if you're not also trying to make yourself more appealing in some way, it's not going to make your dating life better well and just to be clear the act of saying it might make them behave with less hesitancy and more confidence around someone they otherwise might have perceived as out of their league thus changing their behavior thus creating a different outcome and therefore it's a good thing from an effectiveness standpoint for them to say and believe yeah and they're again like they're out of their league might be the person in their class that has a crush on them that they're scared of because or that, that doesn't have a crush pretty. on them that that they would never have approached if they believed in the concept of leaks. Sure. Most people are not. I mean, we're talking. The video was inspired by Kim Kardashian, right? Who is yeah, Ariana Grande, Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Yes, those mm -hmm. are the people in the video, and that's yeah. what I thought was interesting. It's like, I mean, there's not that many world famous, beautiful, self made multimillionaires. Like, mm -hmm. there's literally not enough people like that for everyone to date someone like that. Well, and again, and this is. From a presentation standpoint, I do think it does make more sense. If you think of the audience, the audience isn't trying to get them. The audience is, of course, trying to get someone that they see in, yeah, real, yeah. in real life. So, And they have heard the concept of leagues. They haven't applied it outside of, of to Kim Kardashian. So within your own life, yeah, it's the, the idea of leagues might, are probably destructive. What we're talking about, though, is... Not necessarily that. And and if you wanted to make a fast improvement on someone, would you rather have them believe in leaks or not believe in leaks in order to get the girl that they're attracted to at their university or workplace or the guy that they're attracted to? Uh, the fastest way is to not believe. In, well, I guess it depends it. what it does for you, right? Because like the best thing you could do is work on being physically attractive, charismatically attractive, and ambitiously success mm -hmm. attractive, right? Well... Does your belief that people are attracted to that? How does that, that affect guys, those behaviors? Like yeah. guys like that are more attractive than you. And then it motivates you to become like those guys. Mm -hmm. Then you believing that will help you because it's going to be the fuel that makes you 
take action in that direction. Yep. So it, I, it really, I think, depends on the person and what that belief creates in them. Or does it create some sort of existential angst that makes them not want to try because they aren't currently like that? Mm-hmm. And then, sure, I guess you have to get rid of that. But I would still say you're like, it's only going to take you so far if you're all not working on that other stuff also to make yourself Correct. more attractive. Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. Agree. Yeah, so I just thought it was interesting. But I saw a lot of people in the comments that were... That were uh, Didn't like the use of the word leak. Yeah. The belief, yeah. Understand. Which is like, I do believe that there are people that you'd like to date that don't want to date you based on how you are in ways that you could totally change. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And and they would just say, well, that's not out of my league. And you go, to, yeah. And sure. again, this is why it's, sure, we sure. come back to the beginning, which is, it's just a semantic disagreement. Yeah, yeah. Not, not one about the state of how reality is or the world is in this particular case. Just two people talking about different things, using the same word and saying. <laughs> well, I was thinking about that too. I was thinking about, because people always like the advice, just be yourself. Yeah. So I was thinking if I had to make a video about how to just be yourself, what I would have to do is say. Be your when, best self. No, no. When you're not, <laughs> when you're filtered, you're not being yourself. You're oh, we, letting society that's that's program you. And I, and I, I, I like mean, when you're not playful, every most child, and I was actually going to look at this, like, is every child playful? Does every child laugh? Like, I don't know what is nature versus nurture. And I, my argument was going to be, if you want to just be yourself, then what you have to do is unlearn all the stuff that's not yourself, mm-hmm. which is the stuff that makes you shy and gives you bad body language. And so it's like but of all course, the same advice. That's also incomplete because being myself, I would just poop my pants, pee my pants, you know, burp, fart, you know, like it's uh, these shortcut ways of, of speaking are not true, but sometimes they have an, a motivational outcome that people find beneficial. Yeah, yeah. So to some person saying, just be yourself has a great outcome to another person saying like, choose yourself, forget being yourself has a fantastic. Well, it depends what you define. That's what I was saying. Depends on how you define yourself. Cause like for me, I was very sarcastic as a habit. And then I stopped being so sarcastic as a habit. it's like, well, did you stop being yourself? Or did you start being yourself? Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Or is neither yourself? Or is it impossible to not be yourself? Yeah, exactly. And are you always being yourself? Thus, just be yourself is something that you could not avoid doing. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I was thinking, that's what I was mulling through. It was like, how would you make a video that was useful, but you had to title it, just be yourself. Uh And that's what I came with, is you just define everything that's not charismatic as not yourself. You're just... (laughs) You already are. Yeah. You always were. Yeah. I mean, without getting into it now, uh, the subject of identity is a big one. And then to have an argument over how it relates to making people like you is to like, you're starting at this level of where you need to go. And it's like, well, what does, what does your identity, myself, me even mean? Is it possible to not be myself at any moment? I don't think it is. (laughs) Like, am I separate from the influences that I've had? If so, like, how can I imagine myself floating in some ethereal space, having never interacted with another person, just being myself? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, take out the social conditioning. It's like, there's nothing left. There's, like, I'm just floating, not on planet Earth, having never spoken or been, you know, I was, I was, came into this world through my mom's belly. Like, th- th- there was conditioning that yeah. was occurring. You know that one kid that was literally <laughs> raised by wolves. So you get to see what a human looks like without any other human Yeah, but like the alpha wolf might have been mean to him. A lot of wolf influence. Put it that way. That kid acts a lot like a wolf. Yeah. Well, I think the, again, while sometimes useful to think about, the dichotomy between like, oh, there is this you and then there is this social conditioning is a false dichotomy because there's only a, a blend of all of that. You without social conditioning cannot exist. 
we are relationally dependent on each other, the planet, gravity, all that kind of stuff. So there, there's no taking you out of it and going what is left, as far as I can tell. Um, anyways. So you know, another thing that's related to that video, because I, I think often about happiness, something I, I like to ponder. Uh, because of the comments, I was like, oh, I wonder if people are not liking this or if it's just a vocal group of people who are like really into this. Can't see yourself. thumbs up and dislikes anymore. So Well, you can internally. <laughs> Oh, so really? yeah, yeah. You still, so if yeah, it but was, there's this, the reporting is going to be weird. It's going to be a new, well, I looked at it relative to the most recent videos yeah. and channel average. Got it. And it was right on. It was mm-hmm. like 98% is the channel average. This was 98% liked to disliked. The last four videos are all around that ballpark Got at 98%. And that made me feel nothing. But if I had looked and the channel average was 96%, or if the channel average was 98%, but the last three videos have been 96%, and this was 98%, I would have felt good about the 98%. Mm-hmm. And it made me think, oh, if they also showed me YouTube average, and the average for YouTube is 95%, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, oh, sick. Like, this is a great video. Just how relative feeling good is in terms of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, I wonder if if someone could ma- measure your subjective experience. If you'd be better off in, let's say, a smaller house with worse amenities and worse food, but where you looked around and you had the biggest house in the neighborhood and everybody there was driving similar cars to you, or if you had the bigger house with the nicer car with the better food in a neighborhood where you are the least successful person, I think you would be less happy in that second scenario, even though, quote unquote, objectively, your house is bigger, your car is nicer, your food is higher quality Mm -hmm. because you'd constantly be comparing yourself to the people around you. I think you're right. I think if you transported me, you know, whatever, into... uh I think this house is awesome that I have, and it's still fairly new. But, like, if this were the worst and people came here and were like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, this is like, quaint. This is cozy. It's a cozy little house. <laughs> this is cute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I would feel worse. Now, the other thing you have to consider is it's it's not just relative to neighbors. It's relative to time. So if you're used to always being on top of neighbors, all of a sudden that's not feeling good anymore. But this is one of the – one of the things you realize on MDMA is, and I'm sure at other times in your life, is that there is a quality of positive experience, which is not relative. It's just like, there's a warmth in me. And it's not warmer than I was two seconds ago or warmer than the guy next to me. It's just like, I feel good. And I think it's it's mostly mind-style happiness that is comparative, which is like, let me check my phone. Oh, I got the text back, or I did the this. Mm-hmm. But um, there definitely is a, a body level of happiness that seems to be far less comparative like a runner's high yeah, is yeah. not better or worse than yesterday's runner high i agree it's that's just, why i like surfing yeah um yeah it just is it it's and i think that's what people often refer to when they talk i think both are nice but that's that seems like one that is the style that, that i try to orient more towards when when i'm conscious enough to realize what i'm doing yeah i think most people and i think even you don't actually orient to that <laughs> like uh i mean i kind of do i'm i'm it's a sauna every day which is like that glow after is it's not a relative experience um doesn't make you feel good after yeah yeah the sauna makes stepping out of the sauna feels great <laughs> <laughs> especially and it really is it's it's like working out it's those final reps like if you go just two minutes longer than you feel like then the relief is like uh yeah i mean i'll say and i'm sure people will disagree like no i'm truly enlightened mm-hmm. my personal experience and the experience of everybody i see around me and even the gurus that i talk to is that a lot of people have like 
glimpsed feeling content in the moment or gone to seven day silent retreats and had three minutes of bliss, Mm -hmm. but mostly in their own life are completely oriented on all the stuff that they say doesn't matter. But that's, that's just what they get dragged back into. And this is gurus online that care a lot about views or comments on their YouTube videos or Mm -hmm. people who, you know, come back talking about how enlightened they are. And then they're doing the same money monetary pursuits that aren't fun that they were doing beforehand. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's probably true that like the best thing to pursue is that internal warmth that never goes away. It's what well, it does go away. Sorry. It's, it's not relative. It does go away for sure. Sure. I'm just saying, I mean, I guess I'm saying enlightenment seems like a really long road that everybody I know who's pursuing it is they like talk the talk better, far better than they walk the walk or seem to experience the experience. Yeah. Are my dog's feet in the shot now? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has he been in the shot? He, Mac, the MacGruber is enlightened. I was just thinking that as I looked at him, I was like, this guy's got it. Yeah. He's like, got it figured out. He's, <laughs> he loves podcast day because he just gets, you know, I'm going to sit here for two hours and pet him. Instead of playing League of Legends for five hours. Does he, he hate League of Legends? Uh, he doesn't love it. He, he, he get, doesn't get the attention he yeah. requires. My dog doesn't like it. Yeah. Anything else that we have for today? No, no. Just the thought that uh, go, buy, go buy a house in a neighborhood that way below what you could stretch to afford and then mm-hmm. comfortably live in it and be happy. How about no? <laughs> <laughs> no, what do I want? I want a, I want good weather. Yeah, that's it. That's what I want in a place that I live. You want to talk about the Tucker Max article? We can. I just read it. Uh, Tucker, I, was just I don't, I, I have, I have nothing clever to say. Tucker Max, I'm, um, I've enjoyed reading his stuff. Tucker Max, if you don't know him, he's a guy who kind of started this frat tire series. His book was called, I hope they serve beer in hell. He wrote a couple like that. And we, we was, don't have to talk about it. He just is, he's very high on buying a farm. Yeah, yeah. So, but so background on him is he, he was this, um, he wrote like these raunchy sex stories that were, that were funny and then, uh, got into psychedelics and started writing a little bit about how he was impacted by that and reflecting on like, well, okay, why was I writing these sorts of things at the time? How, you know, uh, and now I got an email from him. I've always enjoyed his writing because he's a good writer. It is why he is a, what is it? A doomer optimist. And I was like, oh, what's that? And I clicked it. And it's this article that he wrote about how within the next four to eight years, the U.S. is basically going to break down. um, And what you can do about it is, Move to a smaller, more rural community. Uh, train yourself in personal self-defense, including MMA, knife defense, gun defense. Uh, you need to find a community of people that you can trust to be self-reliant because even just stockpiling a year's worth of food, which he's already has done, is not enough. You need to be able to be like grow it yourself. Um, Did it make you want to buy a farm? Uh, I mean, I'm going to feel like an idiot. If I don't, <laughs> before I die. <laughs> um, but did it make me want to buy a farm? No, I, I, what do I think? When I look at things and I zoom out, it does seem like the end of the American empire. Like it, and, but there was an end of a British empire as well. And as far as I know, it wasn't met with widespread, widespread, uh, political revolution and maybe I need to do better research on my history but I think that it could just dissolve he also seems to think in the article that um, the riots around George Floyd and the media reaction to January 6th is a psyops uh, reaction 
that is uh, being run by potentially foreign powers in order to destabilize the U.S.? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I, what did I take from that? I feel either I accept it as true and do what I can to prevent it, which is like I have to start moving, I have to live somewhere else, I got to learn how to shoot a gun, or, and I admit this is psychologically easier, I go, hasn't happened in my lifetime or my parents' lifetime. Let's just hope it doesn't happen and keep going. And that's where I'm inclined towards these days. I'm not saying that that's solid reasoning, but I also found some of his reasoning spurious in there. Uh, I, I, there was... I, I, I could have to read it again to point to the exact moments. I'm not saying that I'm right, but I did get the sense in reading him that he is not right <laughs> as well. Uh, so that was my sense. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing that I took away from it that I thought I'd already previously thought, so obviously it's easy to agree with, is that uh, living in densely packed cities may become challenging, more dangerous, yeah, and dangerous as 100%. protests yeah. slash riots become more common and COVID doesn't go away and lockdowns become more common. Just like the appeal of the city may have changed compared to what it was five years ago, let's say. Yeah. And I, and I was already on board with that, but I was like, yeah, makes sense. Like suburbs and rural areas, probably more where it's at mm-hmm. until there's not political unrest and a pandemic. Totally. Uh, that, I mean, I've acted on that information and was highly motivated to do so, to yeah. get out of Santa Monica. <clears throat> and then, yeah, I mean, in terms of having food production. I think that's a great idea. I think it, yeah, I think it makes sense. Uh, dude, I would love a farm. I just don't know that... Am I going to move on that fast enough such that I'm in the right place in the next two or three years when the bottom drops out? Probably not. I'm more, that's more like a five to 15 year thing where I like step even further away from stuff and have my own well and my own yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's kind of how I felt reading yeah. it. It's like I could imagine one day following all this advice, but it's definitely not going to be 2022. Yeah. Like if I do have a plot of land with a well and solar panels and I grow my own food, that's totally believable but it's probably not going to be this year yeah that was my take from the article yeah i was not convinced enough to make it this year <laughs> put it that way so yeah that's what i thought cool audience questions hello dog yep. show me your feet all right the one question i have is well it starts with i'm back you might have forgotten but i asked a question about if i could date a guy poorer than me a year ago Huh. but I don't remember, but that's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, the advice you guys had given her was yes. Um, it but, turned out terribly. Kind of. So uh, anyways, it turns out I caught him on Tinder last week. <gasps> he oh. lied for 20 minutes straight when I asked him about it, but then sent a text message later to admit to creating Tinder and apologize profusely. He said it had, he had made it a couple weeks ago to get an ego boost and had chatted to people over the two weeks, but did not intend to cheat. I'm curious to know what, what you guys think about this, whether it's possible to regain trust, when to give up on a relationship, and how to decide it's not worth the effort to regain trust, trust and how much should a lady help with a man's self-esteem in a relationship? Hmm. Is it my duty to stay in this relationship to help him work on it? Will I work on what made him feel this way? No. 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 Never your duty to stay in a relationship. Also, how did you find him on Tinder? Well, at some if, if you're uh, sneaking and spying, but you find something, you're justified. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm sure a friend found the, it. The bigger issue t- to me than the Tinder creation is the lying about the Tinder creation. Um, good that he eventually came clean, but really not good to lie about that stuff. This is one of those where 
you're going to have to go to his, I think, uh, character that you've seen over the the course of a year. If you, if, if you think that this is... I could conceive of somebody forgiving this, and I could conceive of his background uh, explanation for this being sincere, but also... It's really easy to be like, oh, I wasn't going to do anything. It's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I don't know. It's also like not great behavior to go on a dating app for ego validation while you're in a relationship. You know, what's funny is I've, I have not, I've heard a lot of this is, and so maybe I'm assuming it's more common than it actually is, but I've heard this, like we talked to our writer who actually found he was trying to cheat and was cheating, but she, oh, you didn't hear the story. The girl that you're working with to write for us. Yeah. I have no idea. What this about. is how they broke, she broke up with her last boyfriend. Oh. She, she found him on Tinder. How did she find him? Well, she, then she made another, she went crazy. She went, <laughs> she made another account, found him and talked to him and uh, he confirmed that he was, trying he to was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then never told him about it. Just broke up with him. Left. He, he was baffled as, as to why it happened. You should ask her. Wow. Yeah. It's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great story. Um, But yeah. So what should you do? I, I'm, well, go with your gut, first of all. I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah, no, no, personally. but you're, you're like, am I obligated? If you Definitely want, not. If you want to break no, up no. over this, you should do it. Like, that's the first thing I would say. It's, uh, I don't know if you're asking, are you out of line for breaking up? Or no, if you're saying, not. I want to stay together. Am I crazy if I stay together? But the vibe I got was like, I want to break up with this guy. Am I cutting myself short of some personal development opportunity or something? And yeah. no, you... No. This pisses you off and you want to break up because of it, you definitely should. This won't happen in every relationship, to be clear. Like, this might be somewhat <laughs> happening more as people look for these things, but uh, it's not going to happen in every relationship. This is not, like, par for the course in dating, I don't think. And you can, if you don't want this, you can try again and you won't get this. There are some things that you just have to accept will occur in yeah. relationships. This is not this is not one of them. Um, so, yeah, that's my... What are the things you think you have to accept? <laughs> will occur. Yes. <laughs> will happen. Uh, the what I've seen, and I don't, I don't know that I've totally accepted it, but I have yet to see something that breaks this. Is that um, for me and my friends, the range of permissible behaviors, activities, and things that they start with in the relationship with their girlfriends is here, and it progressively becomes this. To give a concrete example. Like the first time that I was just playing video games and my girlfriend came over, she just sat there and like did work and played on her phone and like had no problem. After a while, it was like, oh, what are you, are you going to stop soon? And and then increasingly it became comfortable. Like, oh, like the, the range of permissible. I don't like this. I don't like this. And, it, and I was, and I said, question, just a thought here. Uh, did you always not like this and pretended not to in order to get me to fall deeper in love and be in this relationship and i think the answer is not consciously but yes <laughs> is the short answer is at the beginning of relationships people allow for more because they want the other person to like them and their brain does them the favor of truly making it okay to sit and watch your boyfriend play the video games that you one day will be bothered by um and so yeah that's what i mean is the shrinking range of permissible things and all of a sudden stuff that for me was i feel like i have been up front, like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to play this many video games. I'm going to do this much stuff. We're going to go out to the restaurant this often, and we're going to not go out to the restaurant this often. We're going to take X amount of vacations where X equals zero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, I'm very clear that that's, yeah. and those things are acceptable, and then they're not. And that has been a consistent theme of a lot of my relationships. Um, and so I don't know that I've 
accepted that yet. In fact, I have a real, that's, that's perhaps my greatest issue with relationships is that I haven't seen my friendships go like that. My mm-hmm. friendships have been like, oh, you're never going to take a vacation with me? Like you, I don't know, you haven't ever gotten on me. Like you never surf with me. Yeah, yeah. I've shown you that I like surfing. I always wanted to go surfing and you see it and you've never taken an interest. It does hurt. I'd love for you to join. <laughs> and you've never, it's inconceivable that that yeah, would yeah. happen. No, um, made a new surf friend this week though. Yes. The greatest networking thing in California. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, a frustration of mine that it has been. That you think will ha- be in every relationship. Well, I was like, if I told you, I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I can't stand that. So I'm going to break up with my current girlfriend and start over. I'd bet like, <laughs> dude, see in, see in two years, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's what I would say. But this is like, oh no, your next boyfriend probably won't be on Tinder is my guess. Yeah, I would definitely say that's less yeah, than that's 50%. Exactly. People exactly. Do that. Correct. So that's that's my sense. I'm sure there's other things as well. Um, but yeah. All right. So there's your answer. If you feel like breaking up, definitely do it. Mm-hmm. That's always our answer, though. I, I can't think of anyone. I will talk someone out of certain relationships, but I struggle to think of a scenario where I'd be like, ride it out. Well, there are some... I think to me, Pre, pre-child relationships, most people are more likely to stay in a bad thing than they are to bail on a good thing. Yeah, there are types out there that are like, oh, it's too good. Like I have to find something wrong with them. And that exists. And if you are one of them, I hope that I don't wind up giving you wrong advice. But yeah, most people are more likely to be loss averse and, and stay in a bad thing too long. Do we have any friends you can think of that bail on good relationships? I can only think of people who are either in good relationships or stay in bad relationships or explode good relationships that's that would be another version of it like make it bad can you think of anyone that does that um that i agree it's out there but i'm just wondering if the pie chart for that is like four percent of relationships no i can't think of anything yeah i think it's a pretty small relative to people who will just deal with kind of bullshit mm-hmm. because that's that's our friends they like being in relationships mm-hmm. so yeah is that we have more questions today Nope, that's it. Cool, we're hopping over to Patreon if For you the guys want to join us. I don't think it's because that guy has less money than you. I still, think, <laughs> I still think our advice a year ago stands. I think this is unrelated. This is priests and alcohol consumption. Yeah. Uh, so we're hopping over to Patreon. Appreciate all you guys. If you want to join us, we're going to be talking about... Uh, how to maintain beliefs while being open-minded, the ethics of making your children be vegan, and the fear of sounding dumb when asking a question. And of course, many more. There's lots of questions. So if you guys want to see, essentially, you know, the second half of this podcast... Come to Patreon. Any dollar amount that you join with gets you access to this. So we hope to see you there and appreciate all of you who have already signed up. You keep us going. Keep food in Justin's belly and a roof over his head. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks, guys. We'll see you in Patreon. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.